Hello, and welcome to the Embassy City Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Tim. Embassy City family, what's up? I love you guys. I hope you all are doing well. Thank you for deciding to worship with us today. Look, I'm so excited that this weekend we get to continue the Peace of Mind series. But you may be wondering, Tim, where are you now? Well, I am with Tony Kennedy a person that we sent out last September to start Triumphal Church. And as they're coming up on the exciting things that God is doing in their ministry, week after Easter, I committed to be there to just show some love to the church that we sent out to plant. So I'm on an apostolic assignment, but I have left you in great hands. He was with us last month and we loved them so much, we brought him back. Pastor Tim Rivers is about to give the word of God and extend this peace of mind series. So I want you to pay attention. I want you to buckle up because he is about to give us a word that is going to change us and move us closer to how we should be in our relationship with Christ. So stand up on your feet. You better stand up and let's give it a big welcome back to Pastor Tim Rivers. Let's go, Timmy. Has God been good to anybody? And one more time, put your hands together and give God great praise. Come on, he's a good God. He's doing great things. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated, man. It's so good to be back. I love and honor Pastor Tim and Juliet, and they're on assignment right now. And thank you so much, Pastor Tim, for allowing me to be here. And, um, you know, preaching... Getting invited to preach is kind of like dating. Anybody been on a first date? You know, when you have that first date, you're like, man, I hope it goes really well. This is my first time. Ordering the right food and stuff of like that. Then you leave there and your friends are like, how was the first date? Like, man, I think it went really well, but I'm not sure if she's really digging me yet. Then you get that call back and you're like, yes. So I got my call back. <laughs> we might as well get engaged now. <laughs> But it's good to be here, and I know God's going to do something great. Uh, how many have been enjoying this Peace of Mind series? It's been absolutely good. Uh, it's, it's so interesting how God works. Obviously, Pastor Tim uh, started Recovery 101 a couple weeks ago, and then last week we had Easter. He got up. Amen? We serve, a, we serve a risen Savior, and I'm going to plug right in, and then he's going to come back. Uh, But what I feel like God has given me to share with you is going to tie right into uh, the Recovery 101 uh, series that we're, or the the episodes that we're going to do. So I believe God's going to do something special. Amen? So if you have Bibles, let's go to Galatians chapter 6, the book of Galatians chapter 6. It's so good to have my family again uh, with me this time. The whole crew is here. So uh, kids ministry is probably getting to know Zion really well. Uh, and then we have our daughter here and a little baby. And then my parents are here. And my brother's here. So I brought my amen corner. They've been helping me preach for years. So I got my, I got my corner here. All right. Galatians chapter six, verse number one. It says, brothers, if anyone, do y'all know what this word anyone means in Texan? Any y'all. I heard somebody say everybody. That'll work too. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression. Now, we like to categorize sin. So if I were to, right here on this board, put just a list of 
transgressions, sins, all the way from murder down to white lies. And I asked you, hey, won't you go through and categorize them? You know, we'd start with murder being the worst. And then we'd go down from there to, you know, white lies, depending on what you're lying about. <laughs> but the scripture is very clear that all sin is sin. So, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself. <laughs> Mind your own business. That's a whole nother message. I'll come back and preach that one. <laughs> Lest you too be tempted. So for the next little while, I want to um, preach on this subject, caught. That would be the title for the day, caught. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to be here in your house. Uh, in the next few moments, Lord, as we dig into your word and we search out the scriptures, I pray that you would give us new revelation. Give us ears to hear a heart to receive, a mind to understand what the Spirit would say to us. I pray that the Word would be planted deep in our hearts so that we would bear fruit of it in the days and the weeks and months to come. We thank you for what you're doing through this series, and we're believing you for greater things to come. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. I have to ask you this question. Um, have any of you ever been caught doing something you shouldn't have been doing? If your hand ain't up, you better repent. <laughs> All of us at some point have been caught doing something we ain't supposed to be doing. Come on, you ever been caught with somebody you shouldn't have been hanging with? Well. Going places you shouldn't have been going to? Oh, now. Come on. Looking at stuff you shouldn't have been looking at? Well. Anybody in this place ever snuck out the window? <laughs> Come on, let me see your hand. That's a whole nother level. That's a whole other level of rebellion right there. But all of us have been caught at some point doing something we were not supposed to be doing. So let's define the word caught. The word caught literally means to surprise, to capture, and or to intercept and hold. What's interesting about our culture today and our society today, we love to catch people slipping. We almost have an unhealthy addiction to watching people get caught. There are channels, there are TV shows all about this. Anybody ever watch Cheaters? That's all right. Confession's good for the soul. We, confession's golden. <laughs> Anybody watch Cops? To Catch a Predator? Catfish? TMZ? World Star? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have spent entirely way too much time on YouTube uh, a YouTube watching fail videos, and I feel so bad for them, but then I'm glad they didn't get hurt, so then I laugh anyways. <laughs> but the reality is all of us at some point in our life, whether you're three or 30, you've been caught doing something you weren't supposed to be doing. So I want to tell you about a time that I got caught. Well, actually, I was with somebody <laughs> that got caught. I got to separate myself from the situation. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So before I tell you this story, I got to give you a little bit of context about Tim Rivers. So I grew up in a very godly Christian home. My parents are here today. I mean, I mean, like 
almost oversaved. You know what I mean? Like we grew up in a very Christian home. My dad would be up late at night reading the Bible. Mom calling down heaven every day. Uh, you know, went to church Sunday morning for Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, Sunday afternoon uh, choir practice, Sunday evening prayer, Sunday night Holy Ghost night, Tuesday night church, Friday night youth church. Anybody raised that way? And that wasn't even revival, y'all. That's just, that's just the regular schedule. If you went to revival, it was every day. <laughs> they wouldn't survive nowadays, you know what I mean? But, but I grew up very Christian. And so I never really got in trouble or anything. I just, you know, I felt the call to preach when I was 13. I started preaching at 13. Like, my world revolved around doing the will of... I was a citizen of heaven, y'all. So at around 16 or 17... Uh, me and a couple of friends decided that we were going to go to Mississippi to a church music conference. Now, it's very important that you know that. <laughs> Just trying to tell you where we were trying to go. <laughs> so uh, me and a friend of mine that lived here in Fort Worth... Uh, he just bought an Acura 3.0 CL, also very important detail. So we decided, me and him, he was the driver, and I was going to just be the navigator. You know, this is like during the time when you had to print out your map, so I had my MapQuest printed out, four sheets <laughs> of directions. Anybody remember that? And so I was in the passenger side with my maps. I had my sunflower seeds, my Dr. Pepper, my Red Bull, just, you know, road trip ready. And, and my friend had a need for speed. So we're in the car, we're driving, and we're going to Arkansas to pick up our third, third friend, and then we're going to head down to Mississippi, go to this church music conference. So we're in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, driving. He's speeding a little bit. And I'm, again, we're, you know, we're probably rocking out to Kirk Franklin, the Tide Trebet, something like that. And we're just rocking out. We're on our way. We pass by a cluster of trees. And out of the corner of my eye, I, I see uh-oh, woo-woo, it's the popo. So we pass by, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, no, hopefully he's not going too fast, and we get a ticket. So I told him, my friend, I said, hey, man, hopefully he didn't catch us. He goes, yeah, I think we're good. So we go a little bit, and sure enough, that officer pulls in behind us, turns on, turns on his lights and siren, and I'm like, ah, oh, bro, you're about to get a ticket, man. You got to pull over. He said, no, I'm not. Famous last words, y'all. He put the pedal to the metal. And away we went. We got into a full-blown police chase. He's driving. And let me tell you how fast this thing was. The speedometer said 160. It was all the way to 160. And the RPMs were still going. We were weaving in and out of traffic. The media and the side. We're going straight when the road is supposed to be windy. I mean, we are flying. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat. I'm just trying to do the will of God, y'all. <laughs> I got my map and I'm holding on. I'm speaking in tongues. I'm like, how is this happening to me? I'm turning to him. I say, hey, bro, you better just pull on over, man, while the getting's good. So you'll be all right. Like, I don't, what has gotten in you? He said, oh, no, look in the rearview mirror. You can't even see him. So I look in the rearview mirror. Sure enough, he's way back there, but he's still coming. So I tell, them, I tell my friend, I'm like, hey, bro, you do realize that while we may be running, he is calling ahead to the next town, and they're going to be waiting for us. And he's like, oh, no, we'll pass them, too. I said, this man is stupid. I said, I just want my mama. Please get me to my mama. And so we're driving, and you can't make this stuff up. So we go around this bend up on a hill. As soon as we top the hill, 
a full-blown barricade. The sheriff's department, the cops from the next town over had completely shut down the highway. So we come to a stop and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm a good Christian young man. You know, man, I've never been in trouble at all. So we pull over. Those cops jump out, guns in hand. Get out the car. And I'm freaking out. He's laughing, which tells you something was wrong with him. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I said, this ain't funny, bro. So we get out and get on the ground. So I get on the ground and, and there's this cop and he's shaking. He must have been a rookie cop. Maybe probably the first time he ever saw action shaking. I said, oh my God, don't let this be an accident. God, I don't want to go out like this. So they put me in one car and they put my buddy in another car. And the officer gets in my car and he goes, he goes man, what were y'all doing? What, are y'all stupid? And I said, listen, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> he said, what are you doing? What are you doing with the buddy? I said, listen, I don't really know him. <laughs> I was just trying to get a ride. I'm just trying to go to a church music conference. And he said, he looked at me and said, he said, well, what are we going to find in the car? What are y'all running from? When we search your car, what are we going to find? You better tell me now. I said, sir, you're going to find a suit, a nice start shirt, a tie, some dress shoes, LA looks jail, and a Bible. I'm not hiding any, sir. The only time I snuck out was to pray. I don't do that kind of stuff. In fact, after today, he's no longer my friend. And he said, okay, we'll, we'll find out. When they searched the car, they, they didn't find anything except for Bibles and tracts. You know what I'm saying? Like we were literally on our way to church. And so we got caught. So we get to the police station. I'm telling you, the most awkward phone call was calling my mom. Hey, mom, uh, I'm at the police station. She said, Timmy, stop messing with me. My mom's from Sri Lanka, so she got an accent. And she said, Timmy, stop messing with me. Where, where are you? And I said, no, I'm for real. I'm at the police station. She said, do I need to pray right now? What do I need to do? I said, yes, you better pray. <laughs> so the good thing is I, was, I got off scot-free. He had to pay all these tickets. And we ended up getting the car, and we lived to tell the tale. Somebody praise God for that. Come on now. But the reality is I'm telling you this story because we got caught. And the fact is that everyone in this building, if you haven't already, you will at some time. We all will get caught. And some of us had to pay a dear price. Maybe you had to go to rehab or you had to spend some time in jail or in prison. But all of us at some point have a story about getting caught. And what I love about the Bible is there's a lot of heroes within the Bible that we would deem, um, you know, heroes of the faith who were caught doing things they shouldn't have been doing. And one such story that I find very fascinating is about David getting saucy with Bathsheba. Now, when we think of David, we usually think of him in, in the context of King David, the great one, the one who, you know, Saul has killed his hundreds, David his ten thousands, you know, the maidens all uh, singing his praises. And, and we think of him as the giant killer, the lion killer, the bear wrestler. We think of David as this, this hero of the faith, right? A man after God's own heart. But this story is wild. So David, he's anointed as king at around 16, 17 years old. 
And then uh, the next time we see him, he's going out to take cheese and bread to his brethren. They're in a standoff between the Philistines and Israelite, right? And, and, and Goliath is out there. And David goes up there and he's like, I'll take him. And, and everyone's like, nah, you better chill, bro. And he's like, nah, I got it. And then he goes out there, he kills uh, Goliath. And now he's uh, serving Saul. He's playing the harp. And Saul is getting salty at the favor that's on David's life. So he's trying to kill him. Then at the age of 30, David becomes king over Judah. And then about eight or nine years later, he becomes king over all of Israel. So you can find this story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. But David, the scripture says, at a time when kings went to war, Israel is in a full-blown war. David decides, I'm going to stay home and just take a breather. I know I got obligations, but right now I'm the king. I'm going to let my homies do the work, and I'm going to stay home, and I'm just going to chill. So he's at home, he's chilling, while everybody else is at war where he's supposed to be. And uh, he decides, man, you know, I can't sleep tonight. I'm just going to go out here on my porch, and I'm just going to survey my kingdom. So he goes out there, and he's looking around. And lo and behold, over here in the distance, but close enough where he could see, he sees a hottie but wadi <laughs> taking a bath. So at this point, David, you better go back inside, close your windows, close the door, go to sleep. But he's like, nah, man, she is fine. <laughs> and I'm the king. <laughs> so let me go slide in them DMs. I'm just trying to modernize the story a little bit. It's all right. So he tells one of his servants, hey, go inquire about this woman over here. So, so the servant goes and they come back and they say, hey, uh, David, so here's the deal. Um, her name is Bathsheba, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> Bathsheba. Some of y'all are going to catch that on the way home. but Her name is Bathsheba, but here's the problem, David. She's married. And in fact, she is married to a man by the name of Uriah who is out there fighting your battle. So David, he should have stopped it right there and said, you know what? I got all the info I need. I got, I got all kinds of wives and concubines. I better go in here and do what I do. But instead, he's like, hey, man, just have her come over. Uh, we'll do some grace, maybe a nice charcuterie board and some nice wine. <laughs> Remember, he did take bread and cheese to his brethren. My man did have charcuterie boards. <laughs> so he's like, we're just going to chill and just have a good time. I just want to get to know her a little bit. So she comes over to get to know each other. One thing leads to another. And then, you know what I'm saying? So Bathsheba goes back home. A few weeks later, somebody comes knocking on David's door. Hey, David, uh, delivery for you. Envelope. Parchment paper. <laughs> he opens it up. You are the father. Oh, no. So David's like, oh, snap. What do I do? Because she's married to Uriah, who's out here fighting my battle. Right? So David gets this bright idea. Okay, I've, I've transgressed against this man and against this woman. Now she's pregnant. Now i got to work on, on a cover-up scheme. So David says, hey, listen, uh, send one of the servants and tell Uriah to come here. i got something to talk to him about. So they go and bring Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, to David, and David says, hey, listen, bro, um, I really like you, man, and I just feel like, you know, you've been working so hard and doing such a good work. I want you to come, go home, have a nice meal, get to know your wife, you know what I'm saying, and then when you're good and full, like, you can go back out there. So Uriah comes, and Uriah is such a faithful man. He is so loyal 
that he ends up sleeping with the servants. And the next morning, David is like, why didn't you go home? And Uriah says, hey, it's not right for my men to be out here fighting this battle. And me to be at home, chilling, going to have a good meal, having relations with my wife while everybody else is fighting. David, this, ain't this what you're supposed to be doing? Right? So, so now David is in a pickle because he's like, man, if Uriah don't go sleep with Bathsheba, but then he comes back from war and finds out that Bathsheba's pregnant, he knows it's not her. And, you know, the, 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 the result of someone that commits adultery is stoning. So now this woman's either going to be stoned or I'm going to have to commit to admitting what I just did. So I got to amp up my cover-up scheme. This is sadistic, y'all. So David says, you know what? I, I get you, I get you, I get you, man. Amen. You're such a faithful man. So Uriah, you know what? Well, tonight we're going to party. We're going to turn up. So Uriah, that evening, David has him, and they're having a straight-up party, and he's giving him wine. He gets Uriah intoxicated, and this is in the Bible. So he gets him intoxicated. He says, all right, now he's going to go home because, you know what I'm saying, he's on that sauce, so he's going to go have a relationship with his wife. Right. Uriah, stumbling, he's like, nah, bruh. <laughs> so he goes back and he sleeps with the servants again the next morning David's like you still hadn't gone home he's like nah remember I told you my men are out there fighting the battle it ain't right for me to be out here so now David has to make a decision does he tell Uriah that he has committed adultery with his wife or does he ramp up the cover up scheme so David decides you know what I'm going to take it up a notch the only way this is sadistic yeah, this is King David y'all the one we talk about you know the, the giant killer <laughs> David says, nah, man, I gotta, I gotta cover this up. So David decides to send a message to Joab, who is the captain of the Israelite army. And he says, listen, I'm gonna send Uriah your way. This is what I want you to do. I want you to put Uriah at the front of the battle. And when the battle gets hot and heavy, I want you to call back the Israelite army so that the enemy will strike Uriah down and it will look like an accident. This is what happens when we begin to try to cover up transgressions. We will end up doing things we, don't, we never even thought we were capable of doing. Right? So David has this whole scheme going. So Joab gets the news. He says, fine, Uriah goes. He puts Uriah at the front of the battle. The, the battle starts getting hot. He backs off the Israelite army. Uriah gets struck down. He gets murdered. Right? News gets back to David. Hey, David... Uh, what you asked us to do. And, and it's interesting. You got to go back and read it. Basically, they came back and told David the news in such a way where it looked like it was an accident in case anybody read the letter. Hey, you're serving Uriah. He ended up at the front of the battle and he got struck down. And David's like, oh, no, guys. But now David's like, I finally got away with it. Nobody knows. I've gotten rid of all of the evidence. And my servants know they better not say a word. For Number one, they would never make it in a court of law having an accusation against the king. Number two, if they say anything, I will kill them as well. So you know what David does? David says, hey, send me Bathsheba, the now widow, and I'm going to get married to her. So now when people find out that she's pregnant, they're going to think this is a legitimate pregnancy because this happened after we got married. This is sadistic, y'all. In fact, in my opinion, it's probably one of the most gruesome descriptions of a crime committed. Because remember what David had to do. First, it was lust. Negligence, then lust. Then it was adultery. 
then it was lying, then it was cheating, then it was murder, then it was covering up the murder and adultery again. So now David feels like he's gotten away. Well, then, 2 Samuel chapter 12, a man by the name of Nathan, who is now the prophet over Israel. Samuel had passed away, now it's Nathan. Nathan comes to David. And David's always excited when the man of God comes. Hey, what's up, Nathan? How you doing, prophet? What kind of word you got for me today? He's excited. Nathan's like, hey, man, sit down, David. Actually, I got a, I got a story to tell you. So, so listen, David, like, um, there was a man who had a lot of sheep. He's a very rich man. He had tons of sheep. And there was a, another man who was a very poor man, and he only had one little lamb. Now, here's what happened, David. Like, there was a stranger that came, and that stranger asked for a lamb. And the rich man, he could have taken any one of the many sheep that he had to give to this man, but instead, he stole the one lamb that the poor man had. Now, remember, David is a shepherd. So when he hears this story, he becomes indignant. He becomes angry. He becomes frustrated. Another, another side note here, when you're hiding sin, you will get frustrated about things that don't even concern you. <laughs> so he gets angry and he gets frustrated and he says, Nathan, you tell me who this man is so I can make sure that he pays sevenfold for what he did. And Nathan looks at David. He points his bony finger in his face and he says, you are the man. And in that moment, Without any clarification, without any explanation of the story, without deciphering that story at all, David knew instinctively that he had been caught. What he thought he had swept on the rug, what he thought he had moved into the shadow, what he thought nobody knew about all of a sudden was revealed to him. And the scripture says that David was in such anguish and condemnation and guilt at the news that David, the man of God, had found out that he said, this is too hard for me to bear. In other words, the implication here is, I wish that I could die right now. I wish that I could go to sleep and not wake up the next morning rather than deal with the guilt and the shame of the transgression that I perpetrated. So Nathan looks at him, he says, hey, listen, what you did was wrong. But it wasn't really the sin. That was wrong. But you can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 15. Scripture says that David did everything that was right in the sight of God. And he never turned aside, comma, except for in the case of Uriah the Hittite. The thing that God remembered about all of it was that David was trying to cover it. David was trying to hide it. And now he's been exposed. Now he's been caught. But aren't you thankful that God doesn't leave us the way he finds us? Right. <laughs> aren't you glad that God didn't write him off? Because if David lived today and he had the position that he had today and he got caught up in all the scheming and the crimes and all the transgression that he committed today, we all know he would have been canceled. We all know he would have been on the front page of tabloids. He'd have been on TMZ. He would have been blown up on social media. He would have had all kinds of critics after him. And everybody would have wrote David off. You liar, you cheater, you murderer, you piece of junk. How dare you do this in the position that you were? But God looks at David and says, David, I caught you, but I didn't catch you to destroy you. I caught you to restore you. 
Because what I love most about this story is that when God sees David in his most vulnerable state, open, caught, red-handed, God says, yes, the consequence of your sin is not going to last. I am going to allow the the son that Bathsheba is pregnant with. He is going to die. But here's what I'm going to do for you, David. I'm going to let her get pregnant again. And this time it's going to be legitimate because you're married. And you know what that son's name is going to be? Solomon, who ends up being the next king, who reigned with more, who reigned with more peace than David ever did. And what I'm here to preach and tell you today, what I feel like God has put me on on assignment in in this peace of mind series is to tell you that for many of you, while we've been going through this series, things that you thought were covered up, things that you thought were in the dark, things that you had forgotten about have been brought to light. And if we're not careful, we can allow shame and condemnation and guilt to sequester us, to make us run and hide. Remember what happened to Adam and Eve? When they sinned against God, they felt naked. And what was the first thing they did? They tried to run and hide from God. They put fig leaves on. They tried to run from God. And God comes in the cool of the day and he says, Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you? And they didn't want it. Finally, when they exposed themselves, he said, why are you trying to hide from me? They said, we feel naked. And God said, okay. But here's the thing. I was there when you ate the fruit. I saw you when you perpetrated that transgression. That's why the scripture says, while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Christ didn't wait until we were close to getting saved to say, all right, now I can go to the cross. But he knew that you were going to have transgressions in your life. He knew that you would have things in your life that you were going to leave in the shadows because you don't want to deal with it. But I'm here to tell you that you getting caught is the grace of God at work in your life. Because the Bible tells us that grace is unmerited favor. And what God is trying to tell us today is I'm allowing the things that are in secret to be exposed. And the things that were in the dark, I'm going to bring it into the light. Not because I'm trying to condemn you. Not because I'm trying to cancel you. But I'm trying to get you to face what you have seen in the past so that you can deal with it. So I can move you into your greater future. Because your tomorrow is greater than your yesterday. And your future is greater than your past. God wants us to live in a way where we're not looking over our shoulders, but to Day, the grace of God is at work in your life to pull all that stuff out. So what is it in this series, in the last few weeks, that God has brought to light? It could be that you feel like David. David was depressed on such a level that he was suicidal. He was so ridden with condemnation and shame that he felt like he couldn't survive. What is it that's come up? Maybe it's childhood trauma. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's a molestation that you didn't tell anybody. Maybe it's something that you did that you have never confessed. Maybe you've been Walking your life, hiding things, never authentically being able to be yourself because you're ashamed and you feel guilty. Can I preach to some guys in here? Because we're really good at hiding it. We throw ourselves into work. We throw ourselves into ambition. We go out with friends. Why? Because we never want to be alone to deal with the things that God is bringing to the surface. And oftentimes what we think are nets to condemn us are actually nets to save us. Because a net 
to a fish is his demise, but a net to a gymnast is his salvation. It really depends on how you look at getting caught. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. If any of you are caught in any transgression, the purpose for your life is not to be canceled. The purpose for your life is not to be guilt. The reason why we're doing this series is not to make you feel bad, but it's to help you find freedom so that you can be restored and put back on the trajectory that God has planned for your life. You know what restored means? It means to put back into a right place. And too many of us are walking around with a limp sideways because we haven't allowed God to expose our weakness so he can reset us. Here's what's interesting. Many of the heroes in the Bible had been caught before they became who God intended for them to become. Jacob was caught running from his past but he was restored to Israel. (laughs) Saul was caught while he was persecuting the church, but he was restored to Paul. Peter was caught denying Jesus, but he was restored to the man that preached the inaugural message at Pentecost. All of us at some point will be caught, but it's the catching that is evidence of the grace of God in our life. (laughs) One more story that I want to share with you as I close. Jesus, doing what Jesus normally does. He is hanging out with people. He's ministering to the multitude. The disciples are gathered around him. And he's healing the sick. He's teaching. He's doing all this stuff. And while Jesus is with his people, there's a commotion that's coming toward him. And there's somebody making their way through the crowd. He can see kind of people getting out of the way. And here they are, the Pharisees. Hey, move, get out the way. (laughs) But they're making their way through the crowd. And they get to Jesus and dragging behind them is this woman, barely clothed, tattered and torn, guilt-ridden, shame. They're probably dragging her by her clothes, maybe by her hair. And they throw her down in front of Jesus. And they say, Rabbi, teacher, You know all 613 laws, right? This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. This wasn't somebody said that somebody said that somebody said that she was messing around. We saw her committing this. You know what the law says, right? They all got stones in their hands. So you tell us. What do you think is supposed to be done? Scripture says that Jesus gets down and begins to write in the sand, and we're not exactly sure what he was writing. Scripture doesn't specifically tell us. But Jesus comes up, and he looks at them. He goes, I know what the law says. Um, Law says she's supposed to be executed right now in a public space. So I agree with you. So, Pharisees, if you don't have sin in your life, go ahead. He that is without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Now remember, in that scenario, the only one that was capable of really executing her was Jesus. But he deferred to the Pharisees. Go ahead, y'all do it. Then the scripture says, from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and they left. The only one that's left is this woman in front of Jesus. 
exposed, caught, probably guilt-ridden, shame-ridden, condemnation all over. And she's just waiting for Jesus to throw the stone because she knows what's supposed to happen. Probably the feeling of deep darkness, like, God, I wish this was just over for me. And Jesus somehow in that moment gets her to look up. He says, hey, where are your accusers? And when she finally looks around, she doesn't see the men that brought her to Jesus. And she says, they've gone away, master. And Jesus looks at her and says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This is the most perfect example of restoration. She was caught. She was guilty. She wasn't innocent. But Jesus, in that moment, his goal for her was to be restored. To leave the past behind. Because as long as it was a secret, she would continue being an adulterer. As long as it was hidden, she wouldn't get freedom. As long as it wasn't exposed, she could walk through the market. She'd have to hide from the men she slept with. But now that it's out in the open, everybody knows. And the one that could have didn't judge her. And oftentimes when we hear this story, we think that Jesus is putting himself on par with the Pharisees. And we think, because of the way the story is written, that Jesus was saying to her, hey, you know what? Where are your accusers? They're nowhere to be seen. All right, well, because they didn't condemn you, neither do I go and sin no more. But really what I think Jesus was demonstrating right then is Jesus was saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to condemn those Pharisees for their hidden sins. And we know they were sinners because they didn't throw stones. I'm not going to expose them and I'm not going to judge them for their hidden sins. Neither do I condemn you for your obvious sins. So here today, the question I feel like the Holy Spirit is asking us is what are the things that the Holy Spirit has brought to light that if we're not careful, we're trying to sweep it under the rug and get it out of the light. I can't wait for this series to be over. Let's, let's go to another one that's a little more cheerful. Like, I, I, I hate waking up. I hate going after service and feeling like I got to deal with this. But God is speaking to you today and saying, you're caught. Yes. But it's my grace that is catching you so that I can restore you. Because what I have planned for your future is greater than you've ever experienced up until now. What I have planned for your life, you can't even imagine. It's beyond your comprehension. Because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think according to the power that works within us. So you would bow your head, close your eyes. Can I see the hands of those that throughout this series, you're like, man, I have, uh, I've been dealing with some stuff. Let me just see your hand. Just slip it up. Nobody's looking on. Just in a, just keep it up if you don't mind. And even as I'm preaching today, maybe some of you feel like, man, I, I, I just feel too guilty. I feel like all eyes on me. I don't even really want to raise my hand. But just keep that hand up because I believe the Holy Spirit is doing some work today. So, Father, 
I just thank you. I thank you for turning the spotlight on. I thank you for revealing what we've swept under the rug. You've pulled it back. You said, nope. As long as you're hiding that, you're going to cheat yourself. You're going to cheat your family. You're going to cheat the church. You're going to cheat the kingdom of God. And most of all, you're going to hinder yourself. So I'm pulling it back. And so we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for catching us. And now I pray that with every hand that has been raised to just admission to you, I pray that there would just be a restoration that begins right now. As we lean into the process of restoration, whether it be going to counseling or talking to somebody or confronting our past or whatever it is, whether it be depression or a childhood trauma or maybe marital situation, maybe a, a hard divorce, maybe kids are acting crazy, maybe it's a financial situation, maybe it's church hurt, whatever it is, God, that right now you have brought to light. I pray that we would just submit it to you. And in this moment, we say, Lord, we just surrender. We surrender to the restoration process. And most of all, we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you didn't leave me in the dark. But as you did with Adam and Eve, when the leaves weren't enough, you supplied a jacket that would cover us completely. You didn't leave Adam and Eve in the garden, but you said there's coming a day when the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent, and that day came. <laughs> we just celebrated it last week, so we say thank you, Jesus, for catching us. And right now, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, all the adoration, because you're worthy of it. And we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you're going to continue to do. And we praise you for every wall that's coming down. We praise you for every chain that's breaking. We praise you, Lord God, that the light is on. We praise you that our path is made straight. We praise you, Lord God, that you're about to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think according to the power that works with us. And we praise you, God, that our tomorrow is greater than our yesterday. And we praise you, God, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen. One more time, put your hands together and give Jesus good praise. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you in any way, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. We would like to connect with you. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit embassycity.com. You can watch live on Sundays and view past messages on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Church. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Embassy Irving. If you'd like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at embassycity.com or text embassycity, all one word, to 77977. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening today.